Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Round the Corner, Almost Here Technology. And I've got Terry Wooden, the founder of Node40. Uh, Node40 helps users maintain and run master nodes on the Dash network. Is that right, Perry? That's right, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. You know, the introductions, they always know they're, they're better spoken by the, uh, the founders themselves. So would you mind expanding upon um, my very brief description of what you guys do? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Um, and for those uh, who know me, uh, <laughs> I'm coming off the end of a, a stomach bug and a cold, so my voice may not sound correct, but it really is Perry from Note 40. So uh, I'll let you know a little bit about about who we are um, and how we got into this. Um, my my interests uh, that led me to kind of blockchain and cryptocurrencies were really in economic incentives. So you know, how do you get somebody to do something for you? How do you get a task to be accomplished uh, if you don't want to just rely on altruism. So that led me to looking at kind of all these different blockchain technologies. Um, and I noticed that most of them were, were really encouraging people to help with the network and participate in the network, uh, but they weren't incentivizing them to do so. And I thought that was curious. So uh, when Dash finally came about, they were really the first ones to tackle this incentivized model of running the infrastructure. So I founded Node40 along with uh, Sean Ryan uh, to service uh, really serious blockchain investors who wanted to participate in these incentivized networks and then track the financial performance of their assets. So I, I came into um, I came into this like a lot of people. I think there was around there was a tipping point around 2012 where. Bitcoin, at least, was was making getting a lot of media attention. So I came into it uh, around 2012, and uh, I really liked what Bitcoin was doing from you know computer science perspective, from economics perspective, from philosophy. Uh, but I was hesitant to get into Bitcoin itself, uh, which was probably good because that was the you know the time of Mt. Gox, and I probably would have lost my shirt. Um, but 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 nonetheless, I was really interested in what Bitcoin was doing, so I continued to research that, bought little bits, uh, pieces of Bitcoin, uh, satoshis, and and then started looking at all these other alternative currencies that were out there, and stumbled upon uh, Dash, which was uh, Xcoin, quickly became Darkcoin. That was back in February of uh, 2014, and uh, I loved what Evan Duffield, he was the lead developer. I loved what he was proposing for changes to Bitcoin. So that's the that's really the first alternative currency uh, that I invested heavily into, and that laid the foundation for starting Node40. So is uh, Dash the only token that has incentivized nodes, or are there other coins that have them? It is not. So it's the first one that really pioneered these incentivized nodes. But people are starting to realize that if you want if you want others to participate in your network infrastructure, you really need to incentivize them. So if we think back to 
uh, how did Bitcoin do this, right? In order to in order to play in Bitcoin early on, you had to participate. You had to participate by running a full node. That was the only way to do it. But that quickly changed, and that's really typical of technology: is you get rid of these barriers to entry, and more and more people start to play. So if you're getting rid of that that barrier um, and people are no longer running the full nodes, you run into network issues. Yeah, I was reading about Bitcoin. Uh, I guess at inception it got up to 10,000 nodes, and now it's you know approximately 5,000. And uh, people are worried that the number of nodes has been going down, so it could be a big problem for Bitcoin at some point. Yeah, and we run because we want to uh, be able to quickly query the blockchain. So we run our own Bitcoin node. And uh, just last week, I tried to set one up from scratch because I wanted to see how long it would take. And it took days just to download that blockchain. And (laughs) to then move that blockchain around, uh, it's so big, that takes additional time. Oh, but to get back to your question, are there there other incentivized um, blockchain applications? And there are because they saw the value in that. So I know that one uh, crown, uh, CRW, crown coin, they mm. essentially took the Dash Master nodes and incorporated that into their code base. Did Dash become, uh, did create incentivized nodes because of you? Or was that uh, Evan Duffield's idea? Or where did that oh, come from? No, um, that was Evan Duffield's idea. So it, it was really once he started talking about this idea in, in, you know, with the community, that uh, I realized, wow, this is this is really really important, and this is going to be how blockchain applications survive going forward. This is the future of blockchain applications, and the reason we got into hosting masternodes was because anybody who gets into cryptocurrency, you know, especially those of us who got in around 2012, we would not stop talking about it to anybody who would listen. Mm. So, you know, I'm talking about. Bitcoin, I'm talking about Dash, and I've got friends that wanted to get into it. So we started, I, I initially started by running these Dash masternodes for myself and for a couple of friends. So for people that don't know and don't understand, what's the point or what's the advantage of running a full node, does, you know, regardless of the cryptocurrency you're working in? What benefits does it give you? Okay, so are you asking in terms of what benefits does it give the user or what benefits does it give the network? Well, both, actually. Good good idea. Yeah, let's talk about both. <laughs> okay, so uh, the benefit to the user, uh, th- there really isn't uh, a huge benefit to most users. Those users who want to confirm transactions with their copy of the blockchain, that might be important for them to run a full node, but I suspect that most people don't do that. Now, for the network, the, the more nodes you have, you would typically say that the network is, is more healthy and robust. So it becomes more and more difficult to compromise the network if you have a large uh, participating group of nodes that are set up correctly and all have uh, essentially the correct blockchain running. Well, you know, I, I don't mean to keep to take this away from Dash, but I think it's important because Bitcoin is a, is a good example of maybe what not to do or just an alternative use. But um, I've also read and seen that a tremendous amount of Bitcoin mining is done, for instance, in China. And in order to do mining, I would guess you have to have at least one full node. So 
So most of the mining is done in China, for instance, and it starts to become where most of the nodes are in China for Bitcoin, that could be a tremendous problem because you have this centralization, which was not meant to happen. So I think right. that the more nodes, the better, um, and the more protection a given cryptocurrency has against uh, you know, um, a concentration of power. Yeah, that's right. I think the more nodes you have, the better, and the more distributed they are, the better. But you also want to make sure that they are are set up properly, that they're that they're running properly. So, um, well, I can't remember if it was uh, Gavin at some point had written that he would prefer that people who don't know what they're doing don't even attempt to run a node for the network because if you're setting it up incorrectly, you're causing more harm to the network than than benefit. Makes sense. Okay. So we'll we'll get into uh, you know more of Dash node system, and now it makes sense why it should be incentivized, because again you want it to be, you want it to be done right. You want people to feel like they're participating. You want them to run proper full nodes, etc. Um, so how has this worked out for Dash since they started incentivizing master nodes? Have master nodes proliferated? Like how many would you guess Dash network has now? Um, yeah, I think it's around. 4,200, uh, a little bit above 4,200. And you can take a look at charts from when Dash started Masternodes, and it's a really nice linear progression. So uh, right. it becomes actually somewhat predictable as to how many Masternodes Dash is going to have into the future. Oh, really? Okay. What's the, uh, the, the growth rate right now? Do you have any estimates? Um, I d yeah, off the top of my head, I don't have an estimate. Okay. So, yeah, let's talk about the incentives. So if you run a masternode, um, what's the reward for it? Is it in U.S. dollars, fiat? Is it in uh, you know, Dash itself? What's, how does the reward come? Yeah, the incentives come in the form of Dash itself. So the network is paying people uh, to run these nodes. So people who are running nodes are providing a service for the network. And then that blockchain – the so the newly emitted Dash that is created when miners write blocks to the blockchain, that is split between the miners and the masternode owners, the masternode operators. So this goes directly to the, the rewards for these masternode operators. It goes directly to the individuals who are running um, or who own a particular masternode. Is it split 50-50, or does it depend on other factors? Uh, it's actually 45-45, and then there's 10% that's left over for what's called the Dash Treasury. And that Dash Treasury is used to fund projects to continue the growth of Dash itself. Oh, okay. Huh. Makes sense. All right. And what is the uh, the amount of the reward right now? Does oh, it right. fluctuate so a lot, or...? Yeah, it, it fluctuates based upon the number of masternodes. So, so think of the the, the rewards as a, as a large pie, and um, the more masternodes you have, the thinner the slice of pie that you're going to get. So, your rewards may decrease with the increase in the number of masternodes, but we've seen a nice, healthy increase in the valuation of Dash itself, which more than makes up for the decrease in the volume that you're receiving. Okay. So right now, what what is the approximate reward you're seeing? Oh, um, I can look that up, uh, but it's it's roughly uh, two um, it's roughly two dash. Hold on a second. It's roughly two dash every time you get a reward, 
and the current number of rewards per month per master node is about seven and a quarter, seven and a quarter dash. Okay, and it takes, um, we didn't even talk about this, but in order to run a dash master node, you need to have, um, I guess, quote unquote, on deposit, what, a thousand dash? Yeah, so it's called collateral, and it, it isn't collateral in the true sense of the terms, but uh, it's, it's called collateral and dash. So you need a thousand dash collateral in order to run one of the, these master nodes. And that's really important because it disincentivizes people who would maybe want to compromise the network. So as of today, it would cost you about um, $12,000 to launch a master node because you have to lock up that 1,000 dash. And if somebody wanted to compromise the network, they would have to have so much dash, um, it would be an economic disincentive for them uh, to cause problems. Is this all part of the uh, proof-of-stake um, methodology of mining? Uh, it's, it's more proof-of-service. So you can't, hmm. you can't provide service until you've, you've got some skin in the game. Makes sense. Okay. Do you, has that number changed, 1,000 dash, to run a masternode? Has it gone up or down over time, or it's always been that amount? It's uh, it's always been that amount. So uh, it started off with a thousand dash. Uh, that has not changed, and there's no reason to change that at the moment because there's this healthy progression of the number of new master nodes coming online, which are supporting the network. So if you were to say have the amount of dash that's needed to run a master node, so you had 500, so all of a sudden we would have this proliferation of master nodes. Um, it would be more than the network needed. And the incentive model might not be enough to get people then to run the masternodes. So it might flip, right? It might be more expensive to run a masternode than the incentives that you're receiving. Well, if the price of Dash keeps going up, for instance, if it gets to $50 a Dash, then it would be $50,000 to run a masternode. Do you, what do you think would happen at that point? I mean, the reward would, would be worth a lot more, you know, money-wise. Right. But um but what would happen? Do you think you what what kind of um, full node runners would you end up with, or would you end yeah. up with a lot of legacy ones that hung on? I've I've wondered that myself, and I had always thought, I you know I've been running these master nodes since really early on, since when they started, and I thought, oh, you know, when when Dash gets to eight dollars, people are going to liquidate, and we're going to see this drop off of master nodes, and that didn't happen. And I thought, oh, well, for sure it's going to happen when it hits ten dollars. And it's just not happening. People are invested into this network, and they're really, they're really holding on to it. So I don't know where that dollar figure is going to cause people to liquidate their masternodes. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 50. If it gets to that, if it gets to that point, um, you know, the, net, the network as a whole can make a decision about whether or not they think the that collateral should be decreased. Okay. And let's talk about, you know, the care and feeding of masternodes, which is, uh, which is what it is you guys do. So <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess there's no, like, masternode set up for dummies. It, how hard is it to, uh, to set up a masternode to run it properly without killing it? Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of masternode setup guides for dummies, but um, it's a really high-level dummy. So it's, it's somebody that already knows, uh, like, computer networking, knows security, 
uh, knows how to run a server and access it. Uh, so if you don't have that level of tech savvy or you simply don't have the time, there are these service providers out there, and, and we're one of them, uh, and we'll run that masternode server for you. And the reason you would want somebody else to do it is because it is a job to keep these things up and running and healthy. You, you don't want your server to drop offline because as a, as a masternode operator, as somebody who owns a masternode, you get paid in essentially a queue. So once you get paid, you go to the end of the queue and then you work your way up. If your masternode happens to drop offline, you go to the back of the queue. So, um, you know, running, running the servers, you have to make sure that um, you've got the appropriate hardware, uh, you have the appropriate uh, essentially network that you're running that hardware on, and then you just have to make sure that uh, this, is, this is new software and new software can be buggy. So uh, if Dash has some problems, you need to make sure that that, um, that daemon or the, the Dash software is always running. Do you, um, what kind of uh, computer hardware is needed? Is, can a laptop run a Dash Masternode, or do you need like a, you know, a big-time server to run it? No. It, in fact, it's very, very small computers that are needed to, to run a Dash Masternode. So you need about um, a gig of, of RAM. So, you know, that means your laptop could certainly do it, but you could also run it on a Raspberry Pi. So the really? requirement is that, yeah, you, you have this – minimum uh, requirement of RAM, and you have a static IP address, and that's how these master nodes are all going to communicate with each other. It's how they know um, how to communicate with each other. And, and that's about it. So you've got your collateral, you've got your static IP, and then you have a very uh, low-level piece of hardware to run it. What would, um, yeah, it's kind of like evil fantasy, but what would happen if you ran X number of dash master nodes and you DDoSed the other ones to knock them out of the queue so you would continually go to the front of the queue and get the reward. Yeah, well in the in the upcoming version of of Dash you could your your masternode could be banned. So if you are a malicious masternode, uh, the masternodes can come together and say, well we're no longer going to essentially accept information or, or traffic from this bad actor. Oh, what constitutes a bad actor? What is the network scene? Um, so, <laughs> I don't actually know the answer uh, as to what is going to constitute a bad actor, but there okay. is uh, new software that's running for Dash 12.1, and it's called Sentinel, and that's going to ensure that you're meeting the requirements of running a masternode, so whatever that may be. Uh, so, a bad actor could be, for example, somebody who is only accessible every uh, 60 minutes. Well, well, that's not enough. You need to be accessible more than that. So if you are not accessible, you know, every couple of minutes, um, that could label you as a bad actor. Okay. So what happens to um, the reward that um, miners get from their masternodes? Do they do they reinvest it? You know, they let let's say let it pool on the side until it becomes a thousand dash, and then it becomes its own masternode again, and proliferates like I, that? Like, is that what yeah. smart guys do? <laughs> I think that happened a lot early on. So I think when when the first few people that were running masternodes, there, there just weren't a lot. So remember, you've got this big pie, and so mm -hmm. we were getting big slices of it. And then you could essentially pool 
uh, pool and then create a brand new masternode. But now that the valuation of Dash has increased, uh, there are people that are starting to use the rewards to, say, pay everyday bills. So the rewards come in and maybe once a month they put those onto an exchange and trade those out for Bitcoin or some sort of fiat currency so that they can live off of it. Huh. What's, if you annualize the return of a Dash node, what is it right now? Well, there's there's two ways to look at that. So if you annualize the return, you're looking at roughly an 8.8% volume gain. So remember, you're, you've got new currency that's being created, and that's coming to you when you run a masternode. But that's mm. just a volume gain. So if you tack on a valuation gain, uh, the return can be much, much larger. So it's not uncommon to see people running masternodes for 12 months or so. And depending upon when they bought in, uh, you know uh, where they where they got their dash from at what price they paid for that dash they are seeing returns of say 50% and we've even had personal returns of 300% or more huh. well because the price of dash has gone up during the 12 months right. for instance so, yeah so the volume is increasing plus the value is increasing so if i had a thousand dash and after a year i i have um 1,080 dash, well, and the value increases, that's a nice compound in the way you calculate your return. Hmm. Makes sense. Is there any incentive in the in-between, you know, between 1,000 and 2,000, uh, 2 and 3, is there anything you can do with your additional dash to uh, get more rewards from your node, or is it just discrete amounts of 1,000 dash each? That's it. Yeah. The, you, you need right now you need 1000 dash in order to run a master node but there are people that get together and they will pool their dash mm. in order to get to that 1000 dash threshold the the problem with that is that's that's not a service we provide so we don't provide pooled nodes um, and the reason we don't do that is because it requires somebody to send you their assets so at node 40 we hold no customer assets the assets are held by each individual customer, um, and we don't have access to them. We can't touch them. If you're running a pooled masternode, that means that somebody has sent you their dash, and you have to have some sort of agreement that says, um, when they want it back, I'm going to return it to them. Right. Now, with the next okay, version so of dash, uh, with uh, I think with evolution, uh, there's this concept that Evan has been talking about of allowing people to have something like a savings account. So you're putting some of your dash into the savings account and then the savvy node operators can say, oh, I see there are these pools of dash available and we're gonna lock them. I, I don't know how, but there's gonna be some sort of protocol level lock that allows a masternode operator to essentially use those to run a masternode and then the profits will be distributed amongst all the participants. That's cool, it's like a bank CD. Old. Yeah, you, exactly. You let the bank lock it up and they give you like one millionth of one percent interest. <laughs> right, and I think the interest could be a little bit better on this. Yeah. Well, actually, in, in an environment where, uh, you know, interest rates on investments are I mean, essentially zero when dealing with the banking system, 
getting an 8.8% return is pretty good, you know, with uncertainty yeah. in the stock market and everything. All right, so what, what are the fees for you guys to run a node for someone? Is it a part of the take, or you know, how do you guys price it out? Yeah, since we don't have access to any of the customer's assets, we, we charge a service fee, a monthly service fee. So you pay for a full month in advance or you know, six months or a year. And we have pegged our service fee to Dash. So uh, for one month, you would pay 2.3 Dash for a month of Masternode hosting with Node40 and then you know, discounts for longer-term commitments. So the reason we decided to peg to Dash was, uh, was twofold. We, we wanted to live that life of, of living in the cryptocurrency world. So we wanted our customers to be able to send us Dash or pay by credit card, however they preferred. But we wanted to be deeply involved with uh, running a cryptocurrency business. Hmm. And then uh, the, the second reason for, for pegging to Dash instead of, say, just a, a $20 a month or $30 a month, month rate is because the requirements to run a masternode are going to increase, and we, we do see this with each release of Dash. So the hardware requirements will increase, which makes it more expensive to run a masternode. So if we, are, if we were charging, say, $30 a month, and then a new release comes out, but it's double or triple the hardware requirements, uh, it would be very difficult for us to justify to our customers that we're doubling or tripling uh, your monthly cost. So we've um, we've decided to take that dash and then use that to reinvest in the company uh, to be ready for for either dash upgrades or adding value-added services to our platform. Okay. If if the price of dash goes way up, though, do you think people will perceive that amount of money for the service as a lot, or you think it'll be okay because it it uh, pegs to their reward, which also increases in value? Yeah, I, um, I think a, a little bit of both. So what we've done is as we've hit certain price points, we have decreased uh, our monthly service fee in Dash. I think when we started, it was mm-hmm. something like 3.5 Dash per month. And, you know, Dash was only worth, say, $2 or, or something around that level when we started the Masternode service. So we still... <laughs> We, we still weren't making uh, enough money to even support the infrastructure that we are running. So, uh, and then I think there are a lot of people that think about it in terms of uh, sort of partnership or, or profit share. So if I'm doing well and there's an increase in the valuation, then it's fine that Node40 is also doing well because they're helping to maintain our master node. And we're, you know, we're one of the few companies out there that guarantee that you're going to get a reward. So um, if, We've had very, very stable service, but if on the off chance there was something that went wrong with your masternode and it dropped out of the queue, we reimburse you for any lost um, masternode reward. So if you think of it that way and then compare that with maybe a provider that can't stay up 100% of the time, uh, we end mm-hmm. up being cheaper because the, if you lose a reward, suddenly that, that cost benefit isn't there. Do you provide uh, stats or updates or alerts if you know someone's NASA node goes down or has a problem? Yeah, we from day one we had a master node monitor which anybody can use. They don't have to host with us, so they just plug in their public key and they can see the status of their master node. 
and we just report back what the network status is showing them. Uh, so they see their the health and, and well-being of their node as well as the valuation. So we can see, because this is a transparent blockchain, so we can see all the rewards that came into a master node, and then we can do that calculation for them as to what the U.S. dollar valuation is of their portfolio. Um, and how often do the rewards come? Monthly, daily? Um, it was uh, about 7 to 11 days, and I, I see that the number of master nodes has increased quite a bit over the past couple of days. So that's just ticked over to between 8 and 12 days. It's usually closer to 8 or 9 days, but because of the way master nodes are selected from the queue, uh, it, there is the potential for it to go longer than that. It's, it's a window, 8 to 12 days. Okay, so a little over two times a month, your reward will come in. Yeah, it should be at least three times a month. Okay. And uh, any suggestions on where the reward goes? Just create a new wallet and have it go in there or a new address? Or? Yeah, so when, you, when you're creating your master node, you are – um, well, we'll take Node40, for example. When, when a customer comes in to create a master node at Node40, all they're doing is they're plugging in the, the public key of where they have this 1,000 dash collateral. And then the master node is generated. So when rewards are paid, it's paid back to that public key. So you're, you're running your master node from the dash QT core wallet and there's a public key with a thousand dash on it, a uh, thousand dash associated with it, and the rewards will come to that public key. Okay, and I guess you wouldn't want to share the public key actually because other people could try to lay claim to the reward. And, and the oh, note, well, the, right? yeah, so the the public key is fine to share, and uh, you, you know that's just. That's just making an association. Like I would be happy to broadcast what my what my particular public key is, but then I'm saying that I own that. Um, it, it's fine. Anybody can take a look at the rewards. There's no way to claim that reward. Um, that's all determined by the on the protocol level. Gotcha. Okay. How about um, for people to amass the initial thousand dash? Any recommendations there on what to do, what not to do? Is it a problem to try to get it all in one chunk? You know, any um, any advice there? It, it's not so much a problem anymore because the the liquidity and the volume is there. So when early on when you started to try to acquire a thousand dash, you would affect the market. But now there are enough people um, exchanging dash that uh, you can acquire a thousand dash or more without having a significant impact on the on the valuation. But it's still there are still hurdles. It's still not easy to get Dash. Right now, you either have to do that uh, with an over-the-counter purchase, maybe somebody you, you trust or go through an escrow service, or you have to purchase Bitcoin first and then uh, go to an exchange and exchange for Dash. Um, I'm hoping that changes here soon, that there's a direct fiat to Dash uh, exchange. Oh, are there any fiat to Dash exchanges or not yet? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, you can. I, I haven't done this in a while, but I think that Poloniex will let you send in uh, U.S. dollars and you can trade for U.S. dollars. But the the volume just isn't there for the dash to U.S. dollar trading pair. So really, we, what we really need is 
somebody like a you know a Coinbase to come along and say, oh yeah, you can just wire up your bank account and buy Dash as easy as you can buy uh, Bitcoin. All right. Um, any uh, do you have any customers that run 10, 20, 50 nodes? Any discounts for multiple nodes running? <laughs> um, yeah, we do have some customers that run um, you know larger number of nodes. So uh, it's not uncommon for people to have 10 or more nodes. The average is, uh, at least for our customer base, the average is about three nodes. So um, yeah, there are a lot of people that have just one. There are some that have uh, tens of nodes, uh, but really you don't see much above, above that. And yeah, we okay. will for, for people that are running say more than, than 10 or, or need to run more than 10, uh, they should feel free to reach out to us. We're very accessible, and, and we can talk about a bulk discount. All right. And uh, just last couple of questions. So what what do you think uh, the Masternode running ecosystem looks like you know, this year and then maybe in a, another year? What do you think is going to change? Um, well, I don't think there's going to be a big change this year. So Dash version 12.1 is due out in February. And while there's a lot of behind-the-scenes changes, there aren't a lot of changes that, that, that end users are going to see. So those of us who are Masternode operators who are, are running Masternodes for other people, uh, we've had to do quite a bit of work to get ready for 12.1. And when Evolution is released, I expect that there's going to be um, – a substantial amount of work in order to run these master nodes and make sure they're healthy and doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. All right. Um, I guess that's, uh, that's all my questions, but you know, so far so good. And I appreciate you coming online to do the interview. Sure. Yeah. The no, last thing is, uh, yeah, for people that want to, you know, get a dash master node or multiple ones going, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and, and get your help to get these things uh, running healthy? Oh, yeah. So it's really easy to get in touch with us. If you go to our website, node40.com, um, we have all sorts of ways. You can actually uh, call us on the phone. You can send an email. Uh, we have live chat, um, Telegram. Uh, we're very accessible, so uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay, very good. Perry Wooden, Node40. I appreciate you coming. It's been a, a good interview, lots of info. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.